You're listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. Visit us online at knowthecause.com and join the conversation at facebook.com slash knowthecause. You know, I recall uh, many, many years ago how working with Dr. David Weekly over at Medical City Dallas, he was a dermatologist, but his mind expanded away from the skin when I went to work for him in 1987. I showed him over and over again how skin conditions uh, with weird names like granuloma annulari and psoriasis and so forth were responding favorably to an antifungal program. And I remember some of the women coming in saying, Doug, I got to hurry through seeing you today. By the way, I'm doing much better, uh, but I have to get over and get my bone density measured. And I thought, I wonder what that's all about. So I began to study it. And around the same time, remember in the 1990s, along came statin drugs. Now statin drugs used to be called antifungal drugs, right? And now they lower cholesterol and triglycerides and lipids in the bloodstream. So these were antifungal drugs that had a whole new brand. Now they could lower cholesterol and purportedly that lower cholesterol would save lives. Well, dip back with me. Are we having fewer heart attacks today than 20 years ago? The answer is no. Uh, statin drugs were very, very successfully marketed. Doctors continued to use and I contend overuse them. Uh, however, uh, no one has ever proven to me that hypercholesteremia, high cholesterol, is linked with heart attacks. Uh, but I'm not a doctor. I'm not a cardiologist. Always listen to your doctor. But let's back up. Statin drugs were shown in the 1990s. I remember there were five doctors who proved really it was very exciting that these statin drugs could not only stop bone loss, and they were using mice, not people, but could actually help people regain some of that bone loss. So it reversed the problem. I was impressed. Uh, these women that were running out to their bone doctors, getting their wrist bones measured, and then the doctor would say, ooh, you have osteopenia or osteoporosis. The difference being the severity, osteopenia is a little bit, osteoporosis, wow, that's bone loss. That's really significant. So I thought on this edition, what I do is back up a little. When I talk about fungus contributing to health problems, and you know me, I talk about that all the time, I talk about two major things going on in your life, right? Number one is alcohol, because alcohol presents our bodies with a poison, and antibiotics, because arguably antibiotics present our body with a poison, and let me tell you the difference. Penicillium is the mold, and the mycotoxin, the fungal poison it makes, is called penicillin. Ever had that? Now you have bone loss, or weak bone density, or, or frail bones, um, and alcohol. Remember, Brewer's yeast is the mold, or the fungus, and the poison it makes, we call alcohol. And folks, if you don't think alcohol is neurotoxic, sit down after you listen to this podcast and have a six-pack. By the time you're done with the sixth uh, can, I can assure you, you will experience neurotoxicity. Any doctor would, any of us would. It's just natural. This is presenting our body with neurotoxic mycotoxins. Now, we call it inebriation. We call it uh, alcohol-induced you know, brain uh, response. We call it a million different things. It's neurotoxicity induced or caused by fungus, which makes a poison called a mycotoxin. So let's go back and study with, in the case of osteopenia or osteoporosis, what alcohol or what 
antibiotics actually do. I pulled out an old study from NIH, uh, Dr. Sampson. It's kind of interesting reading through this. Alcohol and other factors um, affecting osteoporosis risk in women. There is a tenuous evidence. Uh, there is tenuous evidence, he says. Now, tenuous means kind of tentative, preliminary. There is tenuous evidence that moderate alcohol consumption may protect bone. But, he says, human and animal studies clearly indicate that chronic heavy drinking, particularly during adolescent and young adult years, ever done that, can dramatically compromise bone quality and may increase osteoporosis risk. Further research indicates that the effects of heavy alcohol use on bone cannot be reversed, even if the alcohol consumption is terminated. Now, let's define what the good doctor here is talking about, heavy alcohol consumption. By the way, it seems to be more than one drink a day in females, a glass of wine, five ounces, or more than two drinks a day for men, 12 ounce beer, so 24 ounces of beer a day. That seems to be the line in the sand during, uh, at which moderate alcohol consumption, one drink for women, two drink for men per day. By the way, guys, that's over five gallons of beer a month. And they said, that's okay. American heart, American lung, even American cancer. And remember, Alcohol is listed as a known carcinogen. So the American cancer people say, well, men can have five gallons of beer a month. It doesn't seem to induce cancer in them. Wrong, wrong, wrong. And as I've always told you, let them be wrong. Don't let them be dead wrong. But what this doctor says in this study is, you know, it's a little early to say this yet, but heavy alcohol consumption may lead to osteoporosis. So here we see mycotoxins, which alcohol are, seem to induce osteoporosis, right? What about antibiotics? Okay, here was a study I pulled out. It says, uh, when did this come out? 2006. As early as 2006, there are some reports in the media that long-term use of antibiotics can cause osteoporosis or osteopenia. Uh, if true, then persons taking antibiotics for a month or more should speak with their healthcare provider about diagnostic monitoring and or, and or supplements to counteract the effects of antibiotics on their bones. The jury is still out, according to this study. Because other studies say, well, that's not true. Anytime I see a link between antibiotics and alcohol and a particular syndrome in this case, maybe not a disease, but osteoporosis means something bad is going on underneath, you really have to consider mycotoxins, fungus. Nothing else makes mycotoxins except fungus. A couple of studies I pulled out here. These were on PubMed. Uh, skeletal changes in broiler chicks and turkey poults fed a diet containing acrotoxin A. Now, acrotoxin A is a mycotoxin, right? And they get it in their corn and in their grain. Uh, in others, however, it said one bird showed changes consistent with diagnostic uh, uh, hypocalcemia. Uh, Others, however, noticed osteoid, and those are immature bone cells before they go through calcification. Osteoid formation was defective, and changes were interpreted as osteoporosis. And I think they studied, you know, dozens of birds, and then they sacrificed them, and they measured bone formation. And when these birds got into a particular mycotoxin called acrotoxin, I pulled out somewhere here what acrotoxin is, I don't know, my notes get so messed up here. Okay, uh, acrotoxin. Nope, I don't have that, but it's a mycotoxin, and it's found in grains, and chicks and little turkey poults are fed grains. You know, they throw out the corn and throw out the grain and so forth. Here was another one, confirming what I told you earlier in this podcast. 
Uh, this was done in a journal called Hormones in the year 2012. Statins, bone formation, and osteoporosis. Is it hype or is it hope? Osteoporosis is a major health problem, a problem affecting both men and women. Statins, besides their activity as lipid-lowering agents, seem to have additional properties, among them a beneficial effect on bone mineral density. So you know where I was going early in this conversation. It seemed, and the jury's out on this one too, folks, because they've tried to replicate that and they couldn't. Statin drugs are antifungal drugs. So let me summarize what we've learned here on this podcast. Number one, we don't know any doctor worth his way to say, we don't know. Maybe it's hormones being shut off. It's God's mistake, not ours. Maybe hormones being shut off is, why, is the reason so many women fall down later in life. They just don't have enough estrogen and they break their hip. And that, of course, leads to really, in my opinion, premature death. Okay, so how do you strengthen your bones? Well, there's a study here that says it's tenuous, but alcohol may be causing osteoporosis. And another one that says, well, it might be too early to confirm, uh, but antibiotics may be causing osteopenia and osteoporosis. Then we have another study that gives us a clue as to the cause. Remember, the name of my TV show is Know the Cause. So what induces or what causes osteopenia and osteoporosis? The little evidence we have says that uh, statin drugs, which now you know are antifungal drugs. Oh, they're called statin drugs, but they used to be. Uh, antifungal drugs, according to three doctors with the World Health Organization, as highlighted in a series of books called Hope at Last. Cancer, atherosclerosis, and other diseases these doctors have published are linked with fungal mycotoxins. They didn't specifically say osteoporosis was, but as the years pass, these books were written in the late uh, 1990s. As the years pass, more and more researchers are finding not the word mycotoxins, but it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Calcium seems to have antifungal properties, the mineral. Zinc has antifungal properties, yet we give these uh, normal supplements to women, they seem to halt their osteoporosis and maybe even begin to grow back bone. So if I suffered from osteopenia or osteoporosis, this is just one way I direct my attention. We know without a doubt that impact-bearing exercise, walking, jogging, you know, mountain climbing, etc., favorably impacts uh, these diseases. In other words, you have a decreased association with disease when you are exercising on a regular basis. Just love yoga, love working out, uh, love push-ups and things like that. Now we're learning the cause. Maybe, just maybe, what we've learned here, and you have to think this way, maybe you were on lots of penicillin, for illness when you were young, the effect of antibiotics is not immediate. The negative effect, the positive effects are awesome. They're known immediately. Man, I was going to die of pneumonia and five days of, of antibiotics saved my life. It's the negative effects. Antibiotics alter the terrain of the intestine. So probiotics are chased for a month or two after antibiotics. Did you do that when you were seven years old or when you had acne and you took tetracycline for a year when you were 16 years old? None of us knew about probiotics back then. And then you delve into that other study that says alcohol in our adolescence or early adult years. Who didn't? It was okay, even in my big Catholic family. It was okay once you were 21 years old to belt a few down. 
It was a matter of fact, it was a rite of passage to have a couple of beers every day. Um, so we all may have overdosed on antibiotics and or alcohol at some time in our life. And that may have set us up for thinning bones or brittle bones as we've gotten old. To offset it, doctors are now saying, well, take a little calcium, take with boron, take with vitamin D. You know, and they're finally coming to their senses that these natural ingredients that we can get in a health food store, by the way, many or most of which have antifungal characteristics, work quite well to halt or reverse the uh, bone deterioration process. So I hope you've learned a lot. What diet then would I eat? Boy, I got to tell you, greens. Chlorophyll in greens like kale and spinach. Chlorophyll sops up mycotoxins in our belly. It absorbs them, as do psyllium hulls, P-S-Y-L-L-I-U-M. Shake them up before you go to bed, shoot them down. It assists in regularity. It also, and I think more importantly, binds mycotoxins. So a diet that is relatively grain-free because grains are sometimes contaminated with these uh, some of these poisons I talked about, acrotoxin, vomitoxin, aflatoxin that I talk about on my show and on various other blogs and so forth. Um, these things seem to be uh, seem to be bound to some of these good natural products we can get in health food stores, and out they go, either through the bowels or the urine. Um, and so I would follow, you know, I have that phase one diet. To the extent that osteoporosis is intimately linked with fungal mycotoxins, then yes, we do know a diet for it. It's a diet that stops feeding the parasites that are fungi. Once these parasitic fungi board us, once they get inside us, antibiotics, alcohol, a moldy home, the list is almost endless. Once they board us, they begin spewing poisonous byproducts called mycotoxins. How do we bind them in our body? Many, many supplements do this. A proper high fiber diet, green apples, etc. also help to that end. I hope this has been a good, good lesson for you and I trust that you'll pass it along to loved ones and friends who may have osteopenia and osteoporosis. This is just one person's hypotheses, but I think when several papers are leading us down this road and the entire medical industry says, we just don't know, take this pill, I think we have to start rethinking. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for listening to the Know the Cause podcast with Doug Kaufman. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or tell a friend. For more, visit us online at knowthecause.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knowthecause.